listening to the official podcast of the Mission Redlands. We are a growing community living out God's radical love. Thanks. So if you're sitting out there today and you're wondering who in the world is this guy and how could this possibly be any good, I have a little story for you. When we were in New York City, our family, we attended a church called Central Baptist Church. Um, it was a historically African-American congregation. We were actually the only white family that went there, which was a great cultural experience for us. Um, but we'd been there about eight weeks, and every week you'd go, there'd be this absolutely incredible music that was sung during the offertory. In fact, uh, the guy that had played in the lead in The Lion King was one of the people that attended the church. This was the caliber of music that they had there. It was absolutely amazing. And so we'd been there about eight weeks, and we were, uh, this gentleman gets up to sing during the offering, and I, we d- didn't recognize him, and I leaned over and whispered to Jody, I said, finally, we're going to see second string. This guy starts singing, and he's got this beautiful tenor voice, he's belting out this song, he's getting the crowd into it, and Jody's like, wow, this is some second string. He finishes, and the pastor said, hey, that was Joe Coleman of the Central Baptist Church Choir, and of the Platters. So there's a little bit of hope for you today that maybe I am second string, but maybe this will turn out all right for you, okay? So it was about um, eight months ago, I think, when Pastor Jason first started talking to me about the possibility of speaking on a Sunday morning. And, you know, sure, I might be interested in doing that. And as the leadership team went away and uh, began to prepare this uh, sermon series, he sends me another email and says, hey, would you be interested in preaching the fourth message that's part of this series? And I said, sure, not knowing at all what it was about. And he said, I'll send you an email about what the topic is. I get the email and I thought, oh my goodness, Lord, you are, you have a sense of humor. This is highly ironic um, because I got to tell you, my personality, where I grew up, how I grew up, and even who I am today, I struggle with it being okay to not be okay. Any of you that know me at all, my tendency is to look like I have it all together, even if it's a mess otherwise, and it is a mess otherwise. Um, so there's a certain amount of irony in my being up here. Uh, today, and maybe that's for a good reason, so that I will be open and honest with you. Uh, My own story in this regard, I grew up in a Christian home, and um, uh, very much uh, the kind of home where it was not okay to not be okay. Uh, We, we, in fact, we sort of poo-pooed anything to do with psychology. Uh, You know, if if a person had any kind of uh, emotional issues, it was a problem with their spiritual life. So that's what I grew up with. As I went into college, That was very much who I was, and I remember finding this one song uh, that sort of captured who uh, I wanted to be, sort of this tough on the exterior, and I have the guys ready to cue it up here in a second, but I want to tell you one thing first. This song was old when I went to college, so lest you think I'm a lot older than I really am, um, if you want to just play that song for them, it'd be great, just the end of it. So, 
Simon and Garfunkel for Sunday morning. Um, so that was me in college, right? I, I am a rock. I am an island. A rock feels no pain. An island never cries. Uh, but the reality was really different from that. So each week, most of the time, many weeks while I was in college, I'd go through life really hard. I was a very good student. I was editor-in-chief of our student newspaper. I was a, a strong cross-country runner. Uh, I would go through that week really hard, and then Friday night would hit, and I would crash. Um, and uh, I would, when I crashed, it was a little bit ugly. I would isolate myself from everybody. I was dating my wife at the time, and uh, I would just completely disappear, go off the grid, which was easier to do before there were cell phones. But I would disappear on Friday night, and uh, nobody could find me. And I, that, when I was gone, it was full of negative self-talk. I was uh, feeling very discouraged, felt like the world hated me, all these kinds of things. And it happened fairly regularly um, and at the time, I had nothing, no language to put around it. Because you remember, this wasn't part of what our background had been. It wasn't part of what our church experience has been. And as I uh, went over through the years, I definitely began to recognize that these were signs of depression at that time uh, in my life. Um, my wife and I, when we were dating, we used to call it feeling Friday nightish. And once in a while, I still have times of feeling Friday nightish. But I got to tell you three things that really made a difference for me. One was this beginning to recognize it's okay to not be okay. Um, this beginning to be able to point to what it was and deal with it from that perspective. Uh, the second thing that I think that really helped me was beginning to recognize what were the warning signs in my own life that this event was going to take place, that I was going to begin to feel like that. So knowing the right amount of rest, the right kinds of spaces that I needed to have in my life, those kind of things were important. And then the third thing that I think was really important for me in dealing with this was just growing up. Um, when, you're, when a teenager, uh, the, the human brain actually changes more in the life of a teenager than it does at any other time in a person's life. In fact, uh, the typical teenager, their brain is bathed by hormones up to three times a day that are similar to what a woman has when she has her period. So if you ever think your teenager is going crazy, you ever wonder what's going on? Yes, they are. There's a lot going on in there. And as I matured and moved beyond it, um, it became a little easier for me to deal with those things. I want to start with this question of why do mental illnesses exist? And Dr. Mark talked about this a little bit on the uh, second week of this series, but I want to unpack it just a little bit more because what I need you to understand as we go into our, our conversation today is that uh, the uh, mental illnesses are both a physical phenomenon and there's a spiritual element too. And I'm going to focus a lot today on the spiritual, but I need you to see how the two of them are connected. When you look back at the, when it all began... Uh, God says, let us make man in our image. He creates man. Man's perfect at that time of creation. God looks at him and says, it is good, right? Remember that? And uh, God made man, God made Adam and Eve to be moral beings who could make their own moral choices. And so he sets them up in the garden. He says, there's one thing you can't do and you can't eat of this particular tree, of the tree of the knowledge of, the, uh, knowledge of good and evil. And Adam and Eve make a decision, and they decide to put themselves in the place of God, and they decide, hey, I'm going to eat of this tree. So they take the tree, they take the fruit, and the moment they take of that fruit, they've disobeyed God, and sin has come into the world, and the world falls. In that moment, there are four relationships that break. Uh, the first relationship that broke was between God and man. Before that point, in the, uh, what we see in Genesis is that God would come down and walk in the garden with Adam and Eve. Talk about a kind of relationship that we can't even relate to today. What happens after that? Adam and Eve know that they've sinned and that God can't have sin in his presence. 
So what do they do? They run and hide as if you could hide from God. But that shows that fractured, broken relationship that now exists between man and God. Second relationship that's broken is between man and man. Remember what happens when God confronts Adam and Eve about what they've done? Uh, Adam says, uh, she made me do it. So here is this perfect relationship that existed before, and the introduction of sin makes uh, jealousy, makes blame, uh, split the, uh, be, and create this fracture in the relationship between man and wife. And just one generation later, Adam's oldest son, Cain, kills Abel, his brother. And so you have the ultimate breakdown of a relationship between man and man uh, with the, the first murder. The third relationship that's broken in the fall is the relationship between man and, and the environment, between the, a man and the outside world. And you can picture in the garden when Adam and Eve needed food, they just gathered fruits and vegetables. It was readily available to them. God had given man the responsibility for naming the animals, for having dominion, responsibility for his creation. After the fall, we see a very different picture. Uh, in Genesis chapter 3, where God curses Adam and Eve, God says, Adam, you are going to now have to work by the sweat of your brow. Things that were easily gained and obtained in the past are now going to be a lot of work and effort for you. So there's this barrier, this separation uh, between man and the environment. Now man messes up his dominion and responsibility for that environment, and we see the results in the world around us today. Then the fourth relationship that's broken in that fall is the relationship between man and himself. So prior to the fall, there was no anxiety. There was no depression. There was no uh, heart disease. There was no cancer. There was no mental illnesses. Man was perfect in his creation. But after the fall, there begins to be this breakdown between man and himself. And these uh, issues, these illnesses are introduced uh, because of that. And by understanding it from that perspective, that this being a fractured relationship that's a result of sin, you can see that what we're talking about uh, as we talk through the series is both the physical issue and the spiritual issue. And today, my focus is going to be on the spiritual uh, dimensions of it. I want to take a look at, um, if you have your Bibles with you, we're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 6. Starting at verse 10. So Ephesians chapter 6, uh, verse, starting with verse 10. says, Finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. Whose armor is it? God's armor, right? That you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. Let's pray. God, as we continue to look through this topic of it being okay to not be okay, Lord, I just would ask that you'd help this passage come alive for Each of us here, Lord, our desire is that your Holy Spirit would uh, touch each one of our hearts and lives. Um, Lord, may you speak through what I have to share today. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. 
First thing I want you to notice from this passage is that um, when you look at verse 12, um, the nature of this battle is uniquely spiritual, right? There's something about it that, in a way, makes it very difficult for us to understand. It says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, which I understand flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over, the present, over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. What in the world is that, right? And there are things that we don't understand in that passage. I must tell you, though, that the one thing that I do when I approach God's word is I understand it as God's word. He's shared something with us. It's to be understood uh, from his uh, perspective. Um, when I read that passage, though, I get this sense of a spiritual battle that's taking place in a realm that's not a physical realm, in a realm that's not a place that I can see, touch, sense, and so on. And I don't want to be mystical in terms of how we talk about this, uh, but perhaps there's other dimensions that we don't see as human beings in which this spiritual battle is taking place. We see the results of it, but we don't under necessarily understand uh, what is taking place. But I think that we're not going to be successful in, in considering these issues of emotional challenges and anxiety and depression and so on unless we're willing to understand it from the perspective that there is a uniquely spiritual battle uh, taking place. Second point that I want you to understand in this is that um, we have to put as much effort into the uh, spiritual battle as we do the physical battle. So let's just think this uh, passage talks about this soldier. This soldier trained his whole life to do what he was going to do. He worked on his swordsmanship. He knew how he was going to use the equipment that was given to him. He trained daily so that when the moment came that he needed to uh, put into practice what he had learned, he was ready to do it. Our tendency is to not be that way spiritually. Um, our tendency is to be almost taken by surprise by the challenges that we tend to face I think another way to think about this is if, what would you do if somebody attacked your home, broke into your house and attacked your family? You would do absolutely everything you could do to protect your family, uh, to protect your home in that situation. You would do whatever was necessary for it. Well, we need to be doing the same thing when it comes to our spiritual battles. We need to be willing to put every bit of effort into that same battle the same way we would uh, if it were spiritual. Let's take a look at all each of the elements that are part of the armor of God, because I think in doing so, we can begin to unpack, well, how do I fight this kind of battle that I don't understand that's taking place in some other area? How do I fight it with all of my being the way I would if it were a physical battle? Um, I think there's a picture of a Roman soldier, and if you want to bring that up on the screen, we can, that'll help you with understanding what's taking place here. The first element of the armor of God that's mentioned here is the belt of truth. You can just see that in that picture. It was called a sentius or cingulum, and the belt was worn around the waist. It was designed to hold up the Roman soldier's tunic, and it was separate from the belt that he would have worn across his shoulder to which his sword would have been attached. And uh, the primary purpose of that belt was, was, I mentioned, is to hold up the uh, tunic. And when the soldier wanted to go fast, if he had to move quickly, what he would do is he'd reach down, he'd grab the back of his tunic, and he would tuck it up into the front of his uh, belt. And there you had the first pair of shorts, so that's great. Um, but that would allow the soldier to move quickly. So what's the spiritual application of that? It's called the belt of truth for a reason. 
how does Satan attack us? How does the enemy attack us? It's with the lies. It's some of the lies that we tell ourselves. Oh, I'm not worth anything. It's what other people are telling us. You know, your dad was an addict. You're going to be nothing but an addict. Uh, your, your mom was worthless. You're not going to be worth anything either. You're stupid. You don't do very well in school. It's those lies that people are, tearing, they're, are shooting at us that are hurting us that we need to counter with the belt of truth. Because the belt of truth says, I'm going to see the world for the way the world really is. I'm going to see my value as a human being because God made me just the way that I am. A uh, second element of the armor of God uh, was called, is the breastplate of righteousness. And for the Roman soldier, the breastplate covered his most vital organs, his heart and his lungs. If his enemy was going to attack him, was going to shoot darts at him, or was going to attack him with a sword, this is where he was going to attack him because he was most vulnerable. In the spiritual application of that, the, um, I think God is telling us through Paul to protect our hearts. Uh, for us, particularly as Western Americans, we are, uh, our hearts are a seat of our emotions, right? Where we reach out and have relationships uh, with others in terms of thinking about our hearts. God is telling us to protect that area. And the way that we protect that area is with his righteousness. Uh, because uh, when... Christ died for us. It was his righteousness that, that God sees when he looks at us now. That's where our value comes as a human being. The third element of the uh, armor of God were the shoes that have been shot or prepared for the gospel of peace. For the Roman soldier, they wore a kind of boot that was like a sandal, and it went about halfway up the calf. And on the base of that shoe was a really thick piece of leather. And through that piece of leather, the leather, they would pound in hobnails. And these hobnails were designed to allow the soldier to get traction when they were in uh, marching or in a fighting situation. Uh, when you think about the spiritual application of that, you had this feet shod for the, uh, for the gospel of peace. Well, we're doing this picture of the soldier, right? This military official. Where and how does peace come into it? Um, let me explain. When... Earlier, I talked about the fracture of the relationships between God and man, right? There's a breakdown in that relationship. The restoration of that relationship is peace. There's now uh, peace with God. Let me uh, explain a little bit more about that. When man chose sin, when man chose to do wrong and the, and the world fell, the punishment that was required because of that, what the, the necessary result of that was death, it's not because God is mean and not because God uh, didn't want to have, be in a relationship with us. No, it's actually the contrary. The result of sin, though, had to be death because God cannot have sin in his presence. He's holy, and it's who he is. He can't change who he is just because he may also love us, and he does love us. And that's where the hope comes in in this story. Because God loved us so much. He said, I want to be in relationship with man. I'm going to find a way that man does not have to suffer the consequences of sin. That man does not have to deal with the death that's a result of sin. So he sends Christ, his son, to earth. And his son lives a perfect, sinless life. And at the end, he's hung on a cross for you and for me. And he does that. He takes on all of the sin of the world in the punishment that we should have borne, God said, I've put that on Christ. You no longer have to bear the consequences to it. And for us to experience the gospel of peace, all we have to do is accept what he has done. To say, Lord, thank you so much for sending your son, for taking on the punishment that I deserved. And uh, I accept what you've done for me. And in doing that, we now have a relationship with God. We now have peace with God. And that's the, the joy, the gospel message. And the word gospel means good news. So uh, our feet in this situation are shod with the good news of the message of peace. And that's the message of peace. 
What I think is interesting about this is when that soldier would walk, because these hobnails are all pounded through by hand, uh, they, didn't, they weren't all spaced the way they would be if they were made by machine, and it left a unique footprint behind. And so when that soldier walked through, there were other soldiers who could look and say, hey, Johnny's already come through here today. And that's what we're to be as Christians, that when we walk through this world, we leave behind a set of footprints that say, the good news of peace. And that's what marks us as Christians. The uh, next element in the armor of God was a shield of faith. And the Roman shield was made up of three pieces of wood, and it was covered by canvas or leather. And uh, it was actually designed to be fairly lightweight. And the, uh, the reason for that is then it allowed the soldier to move it easily. It weighed about 20 pounds. And uh, they would use this to, when it, uh, darts were shot at them, to deflect them, or arrows were shot, they would use it to deflect it. And one of the things, one of the primary ways it was used is in the creation of a phalanx so that each Roman soldier would stand with his uh, shield in front of him, his spear in his hand, and the next one would stand right next to that. There was almost no space between them, and they would approach the enemy from this perspective, and it was a a position that was very formidable. It was very scary uh, to the enemy. And spiritually, this shield of faith, I think, operates uh, similarly for us. It's designed to protect the Christian uh, from those darts that are being shot at us uh, by the enemy. But I think, most importantly, it works best when used by others, used with others, right? This idea that the same way that the Roman soldier stood shield to shield with his compatriots, the same way that we need to be in the Christian walk. Faith just means taking God at his word, right? And so understanding and believing that who he is, he, he is who he is, and he is going to do what he says he's going to do. And we do that best when we're in relationship with other Christians. So being here on Sunday mornings, being part of uh, small group programs that we have at the church, these are great ways to grow in your faith and have a shield that's going to be more effective. Next element for the armor of God is the helmet of salvation. And it's interesting, over the previous hundred years before Paul would have written this passage, the Roman soldier's uh, helmet had changed a lot. It had bound, previously just been a round sort of orb that sat on their head. And over the hundred years, by the time Paul was writing, it was probably similar to what's here, where it would have fit down over his uh, eyebrow area, sometimes would have had a little part that would have gone down across the bridge of his nose. Uh, it would have had a, a piece that would have swung across the back of his neck, and then oftentimes little par- portions that would have come in front of his uh, throat. And uh, it was designed to protect his most valuable asset, his head, right? And I, th- I think there's a lesson for us in this as well, that the um, purpose of the helmet spiritually is to protect our head, protect our minds. And you have to think about this, that in the areas related to uh, mental illness and really related to everything, Satan's ta- attacks come through the messages that we receive from the world. Just think about what some of those uh, messages are, the world's type of philosophy that really pounds at our emotions. Um, What do they tell us? The world tells us that it's all about you. Take care of yourself. Um, The world tells us that our value as human beings only comes in what we do. The world tells us that we are simply a product of chance. You're just a biological phenomenon. You're worth no more than the animals around you. Um, the world tells us that uh, traditional marriage and traditional values are old-fashioned and are just good for the dustbins of history, things that we should throw out in this new, uninhibited world that we're in. The world tells you to live it up, that alcohol is the answer, that pot's really not that bad. 
And these are the messages that are pounding our minds every day. So why do we, uh, how does the helmet of salvation work for us? God tells us in Romans chapter 12 that when we accept Christ as Savior, when we become a follower of God, there's a renewal of our minds, a new way of looking at things. And these messages from the world, we begin to recognize and say, hey, these are wrong. This is not true. And that's how the helmet of salvation protects our minds. Another element of the armor of God is the sword of the Spirit. And um, the sword was the Roman soldier's traditional weapon for uh, in-close combat. It was carried on his uh, shoulder belt. And interestingly for us as believers, this is the only offensive weapon that's noted in this passage. And the sword of the Spirit is God's word. And I have to give you a picture of what it would be like, right? So the Roman soldier... He says, you know what, I don't know what this thing is hanging on my belt. I'm not going to ever use it unless I really have to. So, you know, I'm not going to practice with it. If, you know, if it, if it comes to it, maybe I'll pull it out, right? So he gets out to battle. He pulls out the sword. I don't even, which end do I hold? You know, what is this for? Folks, we tend to do this with God's word. We are not in it enough so that when we get into our spiritual battles, we're not ready to deal with what we need to deal with. You need to be in God's word regularly so that when it comes time for you to be able to use it in a situation of conflict, in a situation of spiritual battle, you know where to turn. You know how to understand it. And uh, um, it's really important. It's important for that Roman soldier to use the sword every day. It's important for us as Christians to be in God's word uh, each day as well. And then finally, this passage finishes up with prayer. Prayer is our communication with God. So we said earlier, this is the armor of God that we're putting on. And here in this last part of it, we call on God uh, to give us the strength. He's the source of our strength. Call on God for his strength in terms of how we use um, this armor. It's interesting because I'm going to go into a closing right now. And um, the... uh, so Friday night, I'm working, or Friday afternoon, we were up at our cabin, and uh, I said to Jody, i got to do just a little bit more work on the closing for this sermon. And she goes, oh, by the way, the Red Sox are playing the Yankees. So the closing for today is that the good Red Sox beat the horrible Yankees. Uh, no. But I want to I close with this. If you're here today, and you do not know, or do not have, or don't sense that peace with God that restores those relationships in your life. I don't want you to leave here today without having had an opportunity to do that. So uh, talk to me after. If you want to have that restoration of that relationship, the way God intended it for us to be, to be in relationship with him, talk to me or talk to one of the church leaders afterwards. Um, Two other things I want to leave you with. Uh, If you're trying to put all of your effort into fighting the physical portion of dealing with emotional challenges of anxiety of depression and so on and you're not dealing with the spiritual i beg you put as much effort into the spiritual battle as you are into the physical battle and to do that um, i would just challenge you to be in god's word daily that is our sword of the spirit it is our way in which we can deal with the challenges that we will face uh, in life so it's okay to not be okay and I've learned that in my own life, and uh, hopefully many of you are learning that in the process of this as well. But God's desire is for us to be okay, to be in right relationship with him. So let's close in prayer. God, we love you. Uh, thank you so much for making a way for us to have that relationship with you, that we can have peace with you. Uh, Lord, and that peace goes at all of our relationships, even this is a broken relationship between us and ourselves. 
uh, where we struggle the most with anxiety and depression and uh, mental challenges and, and mental illnesses, Lord. I pray for healing in those areas through the peace that you give. And Lord, I just would ask that each and every person here today would put as much effort into those spiritual battles as we do the physical. And Lord, I just would ask that we would be in your word because that's uh, one of the ways that we can learn and how to take on these challenges that we face in our lives. We ask this in your son's name. Amen. Amen. listening to the official podcast of The Mission Redlands. For more information, visit us at themissionredlands.com.